to this? When you ask the question, should we just read what you have down as the answer? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Well, no. I am all for that. This is like preaching. <laughs> According you, you, to John Gill on page 374. <laughs> Dr. Gill. Dr. Gill. Dr. Gill. Dr. John Gill V. And again, going back to the early church, the only practical thing they knew to do was to pray. Like right. we, this is the most practical thing for us to do right now. We don't know what else to do. Peter's in jail. We can't go bust him out. What what can we do? Well, we could pray, and you know, who even knows what they were praying for? Like God, right. yeah, we would love to be released, or whatever. It worked. I mean, he got right. he yeah. got released. All right, welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. It's great to be with you. Thank you for joining us um, today. Pastors of the Roundtable is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Our goal here as we sit around the table together and discuss um, important issues is to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and to connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Last week, if you were with us, you'll know that we continued a new series that we've begun on worship. And in particular, we've been focusing upon public worship. We talked about uh, what worship is, talked about who God is, about how we should approach Him. And we also talked last week about, um, you know, basically, does God care how we worship Him? And how should we do that? Does the Scriptures, uh, do the Scriptures tell us how we should worship God? And we came to the conclusion that God does care how we worship Him, and He's given us guidance in the Scriptures. And we came to the conclusion that in public worship, when we are gathered together as church, We are only to do those things which He commands us. Only to do those things which He, through His Word, tells us He wants us to do. And we find ourselves following Scripture, but also being on safe ground whenever we approach a holy God and we draw near to Him in faith. And so today we want to continue our study of worship by now focusing upon prayer. Prayer is an important part of not only our private lives and our family lives, but prayer is an important component to public worship. When we get together as a church, we pray. So today we want to think about and sit around the table here to talk about what is prayer? What does public prayer look like when we get together on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings as a church to pray together as we worship our great God and Savior. Joining me today around the table is uh, Tim Icoangeli, Scott Slater, and Matt Bates. My name is Spencer Snow. Guys, let's jump right into it. Let's ask this question first of all. We talked about the fact that God wants us to only do those things which he commands us in public worship. Does God command us to pray in public worship? I mean, we see it all through Scripture, all over the place. And go in the Old Testament, you can go in the New Testament, and it seems when God's people would gather together, whether it was in a room, whether it was in you know the temple, wherever, wherever it was, prayer was part of that. And even sometimes, like in the New Testament, it just seems like that's what they were there doing was praying. That right. was the whole purpose of of meeting together was prayer. And so, I think the Bible gives us a a great example 
of the necessity of prayer in our in our gatherings. Right, prayer is almost like it's almost in some ways it's so obvious. It's just almost assumed in the New Testament, especially because it was just such an obvious part of what it was to worship God in the Old Testament. I mean, the first time we've got it really is in Genesis four twenty six. This is before Noah. This is. Um, you know, before the rest of the scriptures, we read there in Genesis four twenty six. to Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So that's prayer, isn't it? Yep. I mean, calling upon God's name. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout scripture, you'll see that in the tabernacle, um, people prayed at the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the meeting place with God. And uh, but the the difference was is it was a tent and so it was movable. So then whenever it became a temple, um, that's a house of prayer. God in Isaiah fifty six verse seven says that his house, his temple, was to be a house of prayer. And we remember Jesus talks about that and pulls from that in the yeah. New Testament, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Um, this is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves and, and robbers. Um, and you see this into the New Testament. In like Luke chapter 1, um, we read that whenever Zechariah is inside praying, that has, or not praying, he's not praying, but he's inside offering um, incense mm-hmm. and such in the temple, that outside of the temple, the people are praying. And then again in Luke chapter 18, we're told in Jesus' parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector that two men go up to the temple, but why do they go to the temple? They go to pray. And then even in Acts 3.1, Peter and John, they go up to the temple at the hour of prayer. So the temple was especially a place of public prayer. Why was it important for God's people to have a special place to pray in the Old Testament? Well, I mean, the importance of the temple, I think, comes into play there with the Holy of Holies, with the mercy seat where God would come and reside. That's where they could go to, to meet God. You know, we're, we're leading up to, to Christ. We're not quite there yet, but, um, you know, they didn't have Christ as their mediator to go mm. to go to God at this point, right? He hadn't come and done his, his work here on earth, and so it was prescribed of them to, to go to the temple uh, mm. to do these things. And, and so I'm sure there was some ritual things with it, mm-hmm. some things maybe that were, were wrong, uh, of why they would go specifically to the temple uh, at times. Because like, we see, like, what, with Daniel, as he, he was away, he wasn't at the temple, mm-hmm. he couldn't get to the temple. Right. But what did he do? He, he faced it. Right. Right, he would face right. the temple and, and pray, because there still was that importance associated with, uh, if you, with the temple. If you just think about it, I mean, God literally was at the temple. Right. Like, yeah. his presence was at the temple. And when you're praying, you are praying to God. So you right. go where God is mm-hmm. to address him. And uh, and right. so it just makes sense. Wasn't God everywhere, though? Yeah, but, I mean, his presence was specifically at the so temple. So it, it was a different presence than his presence everywhere, right? I mean, because he, he's everywhere, even where unbelievers are, in one sense, right? But yeah, there yeah, was but a I'm, special... Right. I mean, even with the tabernacle, right? You would see... The people would see the Lord descend upon the mm. tabernacle, and they knew that Moses was meeting with him. Right. Right? And they would they would see this, and... Um, and then it was the same with with the temple when uh, when Solomon had the temple made, and we we see that when he would pray and the Lord would descend in the temple, really freak everybody out. Yeah. Even Solomon would be like, "Whoa, like I am not, this is too yeah, much for me." Right. Um, and it was just God showing, "This is where my presence is on on this." And then mm. 
That's why, again, we see the importance of the, the high priest entering, all the, all the cleansings that he would have to do. It mm. was a serious matter to go before God's presence in that Holy of mm. Holies. And so that's what Pastor Scott's referencing, um, was saying his, his presence was there. I mean, Scripture says he was there. Right. <laughs> right. The glory of the, the glory Lord, of the Lord was there, yeah. filled the temple. And I love that. Yeah, they fall on the pavement and say, for he is good, for his steadfast <laughs> yeah. love endures forever. You know, um, it's just, there's just some beautiful stuff there. So... They had the temple as well, the Jews in the Old Testament, and uh, at Jesus' time had the synagogue, which was a, a place of prayer. We read Jesus' illustration. Of course, it's a it's a illustration of what we shouldn't be about the hypocrites in Matthew 6, 5, but he points out that they would stand and pray in the synagogues as well as at the street corners, kind of highlighting, though, the fact that the synagogue was a special place of prayer for God's people um, in Jesus' time. But then, of course, whenever we come to Jesus, we see Jesus himself praying all the time. Why would Jesus pray? Isn't he God's son? Why does he need to pray? Well, he had a relationship with the Father, and that's what we see in prayer, right? As we see a communion, we see this relationship taking place. And so even Jesus the Son would do that with the Father. He would he would seek the Father's face. I think I think part of what makes it difficult, though, in answering that question is the same thing that makes it difficult to answer the question, how is Jesus fully God and fully man at the same time? Like, how did that function? I think prayer plays into that His his in his humanity, right? His need right. to still go to the Father, to to seek him for comfort, for for peace, for joy, um, for all of those, for all of those things. And, you know, we don't, we don't have a ton of instances where we get to know what Jesus was asking of the Father, right? We don't, we don't have a lot of that. We have, we have him telling the disciples, you know, when you do pray, pray mm-hmm. like this. And then we have uh, his high priestly prayer where we see him kind of giving us an example of praying for the disciples, praying for us. And then we see him in the, in the garden praying. Those are the specific ones that come to my mind, mm-hmm. other than like Lazarus, which is just like one-liners, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Let them see yeah, what's yeah. about to happen right, here. Right, right. If you think about it, I mean, Jesus submitted himself to God the Father, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think in a lot of ways, prayer is an act of submission mm-hmm. uh, to the one that you are praying to because you're, you know, we're talking about what is prayer. I think in prayer, you're glor- you know, you're showing and you're, uh, you're ascribing the glory to the one that you're praying to because, number one, you're considering them worthy of your prayers. Mm. Um, and so, like, in Jesus praying to God, I think that's, in a sense, part of his submission to the Father as the Son, mm. in a sense. Uh, I think that we can also see from several passages in Scripture that Jesus prayed, I think, really to give us an example of prayer, of what our prayer should look like as well. I really like your point about submission because um, it's in his, it's as the God Man that he prays mm-hmm. to uh, you know um, to the Father. I, I noticed one of the things um, here in Luke chapter six verse twelve. It's fascinating. He says, "Now it came to pass in those days that he went out talking about Jesus to the mountain to pray and continued all night mm-hmm. in prayer to God." So it's not like you know Jesus wasn't like prayer was just one little insignificant no. part, but he was praying all night. He had an all-night prayer meeting with him and God. It was a defining characteristic of his life. Yeah. Yeah, living in communion with the Father. Yeah. 
Um, which is interesting because that's exactly how then he teaches his disciples to pray. Pray then like this, and this is, this is one of the things we don't realize how drastic and how amazing this is. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, not the Lord of hosts, which we still address the Lord as the Lord of hosts, but now we get to call him Father. I mean, that's, a, that's an amazing privilege. Jesus addressed God as Father, mm-hmm. and he's obviously God as our Father in a different way that he is to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we still get to call him Father. Um, that's, that's quite a privilege. Mm-hmm. So then Jesus prays at important times in his life. He prays, um, like we said, John 17, uh, uh, the high priestly prayer. He prays in the garden. Um, he prays on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus is praying while he's on the cross even. Um, and then after Jesus has ascended back to heaven, we read in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. So we're in the 14th verse of being without Jesus. And all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So the people of God, the disciples, this is before Pentecost, but after Jesus has left, they're praying. They're devoting themselves to prayer. And then right after Peter's conversion or Peter's preaching and the conversion of so many people to the Lord Jesus in Acts chapter two, we read that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. (laughs) They had a prayer meeting in Acts chapter four whenever they were facing opposition. It's a beautiful prayer. And where we read after the prayer is given to us that when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They had a church prayer meeting. And then we read how prayer was publicly done. We can, we can uh, learn about it from like 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, we're, we're commanded it throughout scriptures, and especially in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says to Timothy, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. And then he eventually says in, in verse 8, I desire then that in every place the men should pray. Now, whenever he says the men should pray, he's obviously talking about public worship because he's not simply saying that only men should pray. Right. He's talking about the men should, that, that the elders, the pastors, the office bearers in the congregation should lead the church in prayer whenever the church is gathered together mm-hmm. corporately. So that is really one of the clearest examples and commands we have in Scripture that we're to pray when we get together um, in public worship. I think one of the most common activities that you see in the book of Acts, right? I mean, right. you know, you can get into some dangerous territory if if all you base what you do on is like by example, sure. and not command in scripture. But it's pretty weighty to yeah. see how big the example is of the early church in Acts. There's uh, for I just tried to look it up real quick, but for almost every chapter in the book of Acts, there is an instance of prayer hmm. of the, in the church, hmm. and so it's it is one of the most common activities that we have an example of the church doing together in Acts. And, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty weighty for it the is. place it should have for us. Think about, think about uh, where the church was at then. I mean, I, I was thinking hmm. about that and was stuck on it and probably faded away a little bit, to be honest, as you were talking, um, just thinking about this. Christ ascends. They watch Christ ascend. And all of a sudden, some angels show up. I'm like, why, why are you standing here? And the obvious response would be like, because he just went up, and that was pretty insane. Like, mm-hmm. what I just saw was pretty insane. 
And they're like, well, you need to go now. And I mean, think about that as, as the church, as the church, the church is those who are on that, on that hill at that moment. Well, what do we, what do we do now? Hmm. And they had been modeled prayer by Jesus right. to pray to the father and to seek him. They, they had heard that many times, no doubt. And so that had to be like first on their mind is like, we need to, we need to talk with God. Mm-hmm. And so they did. And, and no doubt they prayed and prayed and prayed. And then, then the Holy Spirit descends upon them. And now they have this, this power. And now, now we see them going and, and doing something else of proclaiming the gospel. But there was, there had to be just such unease in the church at the time. I mean, exciting what was going on, but just fear, right? All of a sudden people are getting arrested and we don't really know what we're doing right we're just we're trying to be faithful to this thing and and so i think prayer was like their their source of strength and mm-hmm. i don't know about about you guys in your in your life I, I hope that you've experienced some of this before but times of difficulty in your life personally or times of difficulty in your life as a as a church to where you almost maybe not to the extent they did but you feel that way where you're like what do we do I really don't know. Hmm. I do know we can pray, though. Yeah, let's pray. Right. Yeah. And it's not like a laziness. It's not a sign of not doing action. It's we need to pray because I don't. I don't know. Like I don't know what to do. And I really think that was probably the situation. Yeah. Well, it, it was like you think about it. Uh, at the end of Luke, what does Jesus say to him? He says, "Stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high." They were the church was literally just waiting. Yeah. They were right. waiting for something right. to happen. Right. And they were doing what they knew mm-hmm. they could. Jesus did not tell them, mm-hmm. go and start doing this now. Mm-hmm. He said, wait. Right. Yeah. Like power's coming. You need to wait right now. And so pray. And yeah. so sometimes like when, you know, you could see this in a bad sense that like we, we pray when we don't know what else to do. It's because we, ex- ex- we expel all other options before right, yeah, we yeah. stop to pray, but I don't think that's what you're talking about. No, no. It's like we know if we can do anything right now, we can pray about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm. I mean, even apply it to our situation now. I know we're talking about public public prayer, and we haven't been able to gather, but there might be a, a lot of people, you know, sitting around their house like, what do I do? What? I can't go to church. I, I, can't, I can't hear the preaching. I know I got these videos and stuff. I don't know how to study my Bible that well. I, I don't know hmm. all these things. What can I do? There's a simple answer. You can pray. Yeah. <laughs> like like your prayer life could definitely be boosted right now. You have some time to do that and you could focus mm-hmm. you could focus on I I just think we see that modeled here uh, by the early church. They were they were like drawn to prayer because that's what they had. And you had mentioned something a little earlier that I think actually has been a negative for churches is prayer has become assumed. Mm. For them it was vital. For us it's just assumed. And, and there's a danger in that, mm-hmm. right, of us assuming that to the point mm-hmm. to where when we gather together in public worship, it's like prayer is a waste of time almost. Mm. Like, come on, let's get on to the song. Let's get onto this so we can get onto the preaching, right? right? And it's like, let, let's move this along. And, right. Um, that's, that's not how it should be in our lives. Right, right. right. Prayers, it was almost like it was the, the natural instinct yeah. of believers, right? Mm. It's kind of like that was just... You know, like when when babies are first uh, born, they come out of the womb. Their their natural instinct is to start crying, mm-hmm. and the first thing of you know, yeah. as as children of God, our instinct is to start crying to God. That spirit of adoption, 
yeah. motivates us right. to pray. That's just kind of what starts happening. And I would say we, we get drawn to the word, yeah, which isn't bad. When things happen, um, I know that's my tendency, mm-hmm. is to say, I, I need to get in God's word. I, what, what does God's word say about this? Hmm. Jesus ascends into heaven. They don't have that. Like, let's see what Paul has to say. Well, Paul wants to kill you at this point, so you don't want to <laughs> go to him. <laughs> right? uh, they, don't, they don't have that, but they did, have, they did have prayer. That was their way to commune with God. That was their way to talk to him, mm-hmm. right, and to, and to seek after him as we, we need to pray during this, during this time. And, and now what we have is we have the word and prayer, right. which is a huge benefit. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But we do, I think, often, especially publicly, neglect the prayer side mm-hmm. to focus more on the yeah. word side. I think... Something interesting I just thought of is that I, you said that we're drawn to the word. I think some people are, but I think a lot of other people, when they're going through a difficult time, are actually drawn to listening to music because it helps them express how they're feeling. But a lot of, and admittedly, good Christian music is actually kind of could be sung in the form of a prayer yeah, to God, absolutely. right? You know, right. and so I think that might be one of the reasons why people do that. Whether or not they're cognitively thinking that mm-hmm. I'm singing this as a prayer to God yeah. right now, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know, but I think that might be why they're sure. mm-hmm. kind of drawn to that. And maybe know? something we need to define. I think we've already talked about what is prayer and stuff, but true prayer to God will be word driven, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think you guys would agree with that. Yeah, um, especially as we grow in our lives personally with the Lord, we find our prayer life changing, right? So. Uh, we could talk about different levels where you have this person maybe who is a new believer, let's say, calamity kind of strikes. They go to God maybe kind of as a genie in the lamp. I need this. I want this. This needs to happen. As we mature, though, in our faith, we should find our prayers aligning more with Scripture. Yeah. More and more and more. And I would say... um, that's one of the things I, I mean by being by being word driven, yeah. and so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think sometimes a, a good song can come, and I still would see that almost as as word as word driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why does God command us to pray? Well, we see in Scripture that He delights; He takes delight in hearing the prayers of His of His people, like like a sweet-smelling aroma even, you mm-hmm. know, and it's part of our worship uh, to him. Uh, like, like Scott had mentioned, just the submission, it, that's a form of worship to him. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, the, it's, the, it's your, the person praying is submitting to God, but they're also at the same time acknowledging their need of him, mm-hmm. that he is the one that can provide that need. Mm-hmm. And God loves having that place, you right. know, in, in, a, in a very self-centered way, God it, who is able to be self-centered in that sense, loves having that place in people's lives where mm-hmm. they are dependent on him. They go to him for what they need. Yeah, That's the best place for them to be. Mm-hmm. God knows that. Where else could children go but to right. the father? Yeah. I mean, it's just that's just natural. Yeah. Right? I it, want to be your father. You are my child. And it sounds corny. You know, the whole Abba Father thing right. to me sometimes gets played out. Daddy, you should go to him as daddy and stuff. Right. And it sounds really cute. But I know a guy that starts every prayer with daddy. Really? Yeah. Is he little... four, five? No, he's oh. like in his 60s. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's a little but, strange. You know what I mean? It can get kind of corny, right, with that. But that is what Scripture speaks of. And so if you think of um, you as a father, your children coming to you saying, 
Daddy, let's hold my hand. Daddy, come and play this. Of what that means for you as an earthly father, Mm -hmm. how much more that means for God the Father when we as his children approach him in that way, right? Right. Of, Of not... Hey, Daddy, I need to borrow the car. Can you give me 20 bucks too? But in a, <laughs> in a style of, Daddy, I, I love that I get to talk to you. I right. love you. Right. right. I love you as you, and I desire mm. to do your will. Um, I, I think the feeling that we have with our children is a reflection of the feeling that God right. has with his children. Really. Yeah, I think so. You're laughing, Scott. Yeah, I mean, I was just <laughs> thinking like, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. It is, but like, I feel like I'm such a pitiful example, right, of what that is because so many times, like, when my kids come to me, daddy, daddy, or Thomas, like, tugging at my pants because he can't talk, is just my, what's my reaction? It's not to open my ear and listen. It's to say, not right now. I'm annoyed. Not right now. Wait a minute. Just wait a second. Right? You know, and, uh, I'm I'm just a pitiful picture of yeah, God but looks yeah, like but that again that points just God is long suffering and patient with mm-hmm. us and kind right and right. all these things that we hopefully are growing in and so it gives us that encouragement when we go to Him He's not saying hey I, I'm dealing with this thing in the Middle East right now I I don't have time for you <laughs> yeah. no it's <laughs> I absolutely have time like I've been wanting you to come to me mm. <laughs> yeah okay so we've talked about why prayer is important prayer in the Bible but. We haven't explicitly defined prayer. Mm-hmm. So what is prayer? If someone was to ask you, what does the Bible mean by prayer? Um, what is it? I would say that prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Man, that was stated so eloquently. You better quote that. <laughs> State your reference. What is the footnote? The West- Westminster Shorter Catechism. <laughs> Question number 98. All right, all right. All right. Man, you have learned your catechism so well, my child. Oh, yes. <laughs> Alicia drills me every night. Yeah. So, so but- one of the questions I have with that definition, because I, I actually came across that too, surprisingly <laughs> enough, uh, is what I, one of the things that I don't see in that, and maybe, maybe it's at the end, a thankful acknowledgement of his mercies, but... I've always been taught one of the most important parts of prayer is to come to God understanding of him as God. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, start your prayer, dear God, we're, we're thankful for who you are. We're thankful for what you have done. Talking we about are like adoration. Yeah, an adoration mm-hmm. side. And I don't necessarily see that in that in that definition. And so not to gripe with those guys who are probably much, not probably, they are much, much smarter than me when they did all that. I would like to see, I think, that as part of the definition. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think they would deny that. I don't either. Right? Yeah. I don't either. Yeah. And I do think that one of the things that when we pray to God, you know, the first part, like we're maybe jumping ahead a little bit for the next episode about the Lord's Prayer, but the first thing that we pray after, the first mm-hmm. request yeah. is, hallowed, hallowed be your name. And what we're asking is, Lord, cause your name to be hallowed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause, your, cause who you are to be glorified. Mm-hmm. Um, like Jesus prays, right? Father, glorify your son. And uh, yeah. Jesus is praying that. So that's our our desire. I guess that, that challenges. Our desire should be that God is glorified and that God's name is hallowed, that his kingdom does come and that his will is done. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... And that should be our desire. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that adoration, you talk about like the ACTS acronym, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
And I think uh, those are that's a great. It's acronym. a hard word to define. I think. I mean, really, right. prayer trying to define right. it is it is it is difficult. I mean, we're going to do two podcasts on it because mm-hmm. I think it's right. Yeah. I mean, I've seen people. I mean, it's very simple. There's a lot more to it than this, right? But people have defined prayer as simply talking to God, mm. mm-hmm. and in a real way, it is. Like you right. know, you even referenced Jesus praying on the cross. What was he doing? He was talking to God. Right. Like he was just making sure. statements to him. Right in the sense of having a conversation mm-hmm. with him. And, mm-hmm. But as the whole reason we're talking about this is because there's a lot to how to have a mm. good conversation with God. Right. 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 And it's not like a conversation that you just have with with each other, right? With hu- other humans. It's it's a it's in what way? Like, what do you mean? In the sense in which we address it, but it, it's the same but it's different in the sense because he's divine. Mm-hmm. He's God, right? Mm-hmm. And so um I think I agree with the language of saying God is talking to God, but I think sometimes people make that almost casual then. Sure. Right? And that's not what you're saying. No, not at all. No, that's not what you're saying at all. I know that. I mean, the instances of people praying flippantly in Scripture, saying flippant things uh, to God, uh, you know, like even Ecclesiastes. Right. Like, you know, he says, like, when you go to the house of God to pray, let your words be few. Right. Right? You know, uh, because you can say something foolish, yeah, and you'll regret it. But the goodness of God too, in saying that, of understanding who He is and not being flippant with it, is right. God does ask us to come to Him sometimes sure. in a way that is quick. You know, like yeah. God, I, I really need you right now, or because of yeah. this, or whatever. Right. And, and right. those prayers are okay too. They, are. they they can become, I think, sinful, but I don't think in and of themselves they are right. they are sinful. Right. And that's the goodness right. of our of yeah. our God. You know, we right. don't have to go through some big long. Uh, routine before we can right. now address him right. every time. No, yeah. no. I think it's all about attitude and yeah. predisposition and yeah. heart. Mm-hmm. And because something I thought of, like by by saying what I just said, I f- I feel like people could take that the wrong way and think that um, the way that you approach God, you know, respectfully, might mean that you have to have a certain kind of language mm. that you're able mm. to articulate, that you're able to do. Right. King James version. Yeah, yeah. In a <laughs> you sense. have to speak in that way. But like in you're like really like some of the best prayers uh, that I can think back to like of times of prayer in my life has been when I have spoken very simply mm. to God and just mm-hmm. use simple language and just spoken what my heart is in that moment mm-hmm. in yeah. a sense, you know? Yeah. In a sense, being honest with right. that. Uh, but that's different than being flippant and disrespectful right, right. and not taking this time seriously. Sure. Right? You sure. Know, uh, sure. Th- those are two different things. Right. We are conversing, conversing with God. So... Um, you know, I've got scriptures here listed on our piece of paper sure. about the fact that, you know, prayer is made to God alone. And mm-hmm. and we wouldn't think sometimes that that's a hard one to get. But um, in the history of the church, we know that some people, even today, right, Roman Catholics pray to saints. Yeah. Or, or mm-hmm. they um, pray to Mary, and now they, I don't know um, how in their theology they distinguish that from God. They may try to, I'm sure... Um, distinguish certain things, but we're only to pray to God, right? Right. I mean, to Him alone. He's the only one big enough to handle our prayers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's the only exactly. one who can forgive your sins. Now, here's a question: Which, which uh, triune person of the Trinity do we pray to? Are we? Because I've seen people pray, like in their prayers, like they will actually address all three. Like they would, you know pray to the Father, and then they would address yeah. Christ, and then they would even pray to the Holy Spirit. So John Gill references that in his, in his work here uh, of public prayer that, that we have and that we read. And he actually gave instances all throughout Scripture of where prayer was specific to each person of the Trinity, hmm. even individually at hmm. times. Hmm. 
And so uh, people addressing Christ saying, Lord, mm. you know, um, or like Stephen, when, right when he was right. getting stoned, Lord, into thy hands, I commend my spirit, saying that was a prayer to, to Christ. Mm. We have examples of prayers to the Father, obviously, which is the most common mm-hmm. uh, that happens. But then he gave reference to prayer to the Holy Spirit. I don't remember right now off the top of my head uh, where that was at. But then to where, and I think this is really important. I think we might have talked about this on another podcast, but though of understanding every time we pray, if we're doing it correctly, it's always done within the Trinity. Mm-hmm. It's actually a very easy place to teach people about the Trinity, mm. to understand yeah. the roles uh, within yeah. the Trinity of how we mm-hmm. pray. Most of the time, I would say, we pray to the Father. Yeah. And we do that through the Son because He is our mediator. Mm-hmm. Because of what He has done for us, we get to pray through Him as believers. Mm-hmm. As believers, yeah. and that's important. Mm-hmm. If you're not a believer, he's not your mediator, right? But right. as believers, he's your mediator. And the Holy Spirit wrestles with inside of us the groanings that we then pray. Mm. It should That's how it should be yep. happening. And so you have the, whole, the Trinity working um, in, in our prayers. Mm. Uh, but I don't think it's wrong to address you know, one of them individually or not, but I do think mostly it's to the father. And what's helpful about that too, though, like you're right, the normal pattern seems to be to the father through the son by the spirit. Mm -hmm. But the helpful thing about saying that you, that there are instances that we pray to each person is to show that each person is God. Yeah. Right. right. Because we do have heresies out there that people will think, well, the spirit is just like the the force from star Wars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. May the spirit be with you. May the force be with Mm -hmm. you. And then Jesus is just the, the greatest and best created beings. So that's really helpful because it helps highlight to us that each of them are equal in divinity and power and glory. Mm. You mentioned about Christ. Why do we have to pray in Jesus's name? What does that mean? And does it mean that, first of all, does it mean that we have to literally say in Jesus's name after every prayer? Second of all, what does it mean when we say we are praying in Christ's name? Why do we have to do that? I mean, I think... So I think it's become a tagline at the end of prayers for a lot of people today. They don't know why they say it. It's just something they've always heard. Well, we pray in Christ's name. But what it, what it is, is it's saying, Father, absolutely everything I just prayed to you is according to Christ's will, mm-hmm. or at least it should be. And so it's saying, let his will be done. And that's what makes some prayers really ridiculous, you know, at times mm. <laughs> is, you know, God, I, I want to have a good day today. God, I want to make extra money today. God, I really want this car. God, you know, I really don't like that person. Can you kill them off, please? And God, would you do this, do this in Jesus' name? Amen. <laughs> right. right. It just sounds dumb, doesn't it? it it's, and that, and that's well, I the think reason. What, the reason ahead. it sounds dumb is because that is actually not in Jesus's name, <laughs> right. right? Yeah. And so, like, there, it's important to note there is actually scriptural warrant to pray in Jesus's name. Mm-hmm. I mean, in yeah. John fourteen, fourteen, he says, "If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it." Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. There's context to that, right? Yes. Like you never interpret a single verse of scripture by itself. Context is king, right? So the context of that, starting in verse 12, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, 
and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Mm -hmm. Son. What is it? And then it has verse 14. What is it that you're praying in Jesus' name Mm -hmm. for? For God's glory in the Mm -hmm. Son. Right. And so, like, that's, I think that's an important part. Is it wrong to say in Jesus' name at the end of every prayer? I don't think so. No, no. Uh, but just like with every repetitious thing that you could do, I don't know if that's a real word or not, repetitious. Sure. But uh, yeah. but we'll find out later. If it's not, it is now. Yeah, it is now. Just coined it. But with everything that we do repetitively, yeah. it could become rote just saying right. it. But yeah. if you keep in mind the fact that, like, you know, in Jesus' name, that's kind of like a reminder at the end of your prayer almost. It could be, is what I just prayed does it have a sense of focus on God's glory mm-hmm. and God's will? Mm-hmm. Is what I'm praying is is do I have you know you Tim you were talking earlier our prayers are based on what's in the Word? Mm-hmm. Is my prayer kind of a mirror reflecting what would be found what I would find in God's Word yeah. right now? Yeah. Yeah. And this is why I, th- I think the maturity of the believer becomes very right. important. That's yeah. why earlier I said you know as we grow in our faith, our prayers come more in line with Scripture mm-hmm. because we. We understand it. We understand it more. This is why we've been so adamant as a staff to say things like, "Theology matters." Hmm. It, it it then impacts how you're going to live. Right? We don't want to just teach our people how to live like Christians. We want them to know why we live this way, and it's the exact same in our prayer life. Mm-hmm. You know, this is why we pray this way because we're praying in Jesus' name, and these are the things that yeah. Jesus desires. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The authors of even we read the uh, the Westminster uh, Small Catechism, question 98. But the phrase, four things agreeable to his will, is literally, that's literally the meaning of praying in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And, and as we are being sanctified, as we're the process of being more Christ-like, as we are maturing, yeah, we are going to more and more and more and more ask God to be making our will into his, mm-hmm. wanting his will. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's, it's really encouraging to see that statement in that right. for things agreeable to his will. Right. Right. No, I, I think so. That's what, I mean, First uh, John five fourteen, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, yeah. he hears us. But if we don't ask according to his will, we don't have that confidence. Also, one of the things I think that when we talk about praying in Jesus' name, it reminds us of the fact, too, that if God the Father, it went, if God the Father answers our prayers only because of Jesus, mm-hmm. not because of... I've, I've forfeited all my rights to have any prayers answered because of my sin. Mm. It's only for Christ's sake and yeah. because he's the mediator and he died that I'm now the father, that he's the father, and I'm now the, the adopted child who can even ask the father anything. <laughs> yeah. Because I can't come to prayer. In, at, I can't pray to God anymore unless Jesus is the sacrifice for my sins. Yeah. So yeah. everything I get is on account of Christ, on account of Christ mm-hmm. alone. One of the biggest turning points in my life as a Christian was, um, I don't know where I got this from. I don't know if I stole this from somebody. I don't know what it was, but I remember it really was a a yearning of my heart of praying. My my prayer was very simple. God, I just wish that my desires were your desires. Mm -hmm. And not saying, God, I want you to want what I want for my life. Mm -hmm. It was the opposite. God, I want to like, you know, if, if your desire for me is to be a missionary 
some other country, then like make that the desire of my heart that I want nothing else but that. Mm-hmm. And really it came from, you know, my desires were, you know, sports driven or I really want to get married, you know, or, mm-hmm. or things like that. And, and I, I remember thinking, you know, being told of mission work and sharing the gospel with people and all these different things and thinking, but I'm scared of that, you know, or I don't really want to do that. And I want this for my life. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to retire. I want to be able to buy a second home. I want to mm-hmm. be able to travel. Like, I want these things, and I really have desires for them. And I, I remember just thinking, God, if you would change that in me mm-hmm. to where everything I desired was what you desired for me, man, that would make my life a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so praying that, though, was a, was a big deal. And to be honest, I, I've seen God answer that prayer. Mm-hmm. To where I think some things in my life have taken a backseat. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I don't enjoy them anymore right. or anything, but it's it's not life or death anymore. Right. It's, not, it's not as big of a deal to where God has shifted to where the church is very important, mm-hmm. you know, in my life, and and that's kind of where He's placed me as well. Yeah. And so, just I've seen God be faithful to that prayer. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a prayer of money. It's not a prayer of blessing, even or any of this stuff. Yeah. It's just, man, God, if you want me to be poor, I know it sounds weird, but let me be okay with it. Like, right. I'm not desiring these things of the rich and yeah. this stuff. Because what you're ultimately desiring in that is God's will. And if what you desire is God's will, and then you will be happy in that. I mean, it just brought to my mind Psalm uh, 37, verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, mm-hmm. and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm. You know, uh, that's just a very clear statement there of like, if you make God your joy. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody can ever take that away from you. Therefore, God will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you yeah. himself. Yeah. What was interesting too, and I, I think I was reading, I forget who I was reading one time, but they pointed out that we have no right to ask God anything that he does not command us in his word. What do you mean by that? That was deep. So we are not allowed to ask God anything other than what he promises to give us in his word. If we think when we pray, we are to, we're supposed to be grounded in the word of God. So the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, pray like this. You pray for these things, you'll get them every time. The, you know, your daily bread, what you need to exist. Now, we're thankful if God provides riches. Um, we're thankful for those things when they come. Um, we, we are supposed to ask for the forgiveness of our sins because he promises to give them to us. We, we ask for God's will to be done on earth just as it is done in heaven because that, he promises to answer that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that what that does, though, is then that we're talking about realigning our desires because then that realigns our whole desires to him. Paul says in Ephesians, is it chapter 4 or 5? I think it's maybe the first part of 5. He says, um, to become imitators of God as beloved children. God is forming us into his children to be made into his likeness, to look like Christ. And Jesus prayed according to the will of his Father. And that hurts for us sometimes, but, and it hurt Jesus in the garden. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Um, and so I think there's, there's a, a real sense in which we pray according to his will. Now, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for, um, you know, the, the scriptures are full of promises mm-hmm. 
to us and, and or, or or maybe general principles that are even that uh, that are maybe more general promises, not like more like proverbs, you know, like we've gotten there. Um, but even like blessings, it's okay blessings. to pray for blessings. I mean, David did that all in the Psalms. You know, you would see that and. So you're not you're not saying we shouldn't pray for blessings. It depends right? on what the blessings. Well, it depends on what we think is a blessing, right? Well, sure. I mean, right. But I mean, even I mean, we would see David praying for safety and praying for protection and praying for these things, and right. so that, that's a blessing in and of itself. Like God protect me. And yeah, I would me. I would throw that under daily bread. Sure. Right. Giving me my daily sustenance today. Keep my enemies. Right. But it's not always a given when we pray it. You know, we can't no. say it's a given because there's, I'm sure, plenty of good faithful Christians who've. Died of hunger or, right. or well, died and, by the sword but, and things. And, and God didn't fail his promise there. No, he no. gave them what they needed till the end, until his time's done, right? And that's yeah. the, I think that's the, the, even Jesus trusted his father to give him every day his daily bread until it was the point for him to die. And this die. is why it's so important to know right? God's word well in our yeah. prayer life, because really trying to counsel people going through struggles. Right. I find it to be very difficult because of their lack of understanding of Scripture, because they will pull verses out like that. Right. Like, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, right? And the Bible says if I ask in Jesus' name that he will give it to me, and I, I'm doing these things. And right. doesn't God doesn't God want me to have a job? Hmm. Doesn't God want me to get married? Doesn't God want us to have children? Doesn't God want these things for mm-hmm. us? You know, and, and you hear those questions as a pastor— and it's heartbreaking right. because they're going through heartbreak. But what what I realize in those moments is I don't think you understand what that means of right. daily bread. Right. The, the thing that you should desire most, the best thing that God can give you is Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is what we really need. And so if the only thing right. that comes from our prayers is an understanding that God the Father has given us his son mm-hmm. and we are his. Right. That's, that is absolutely everything that we should want and right. desire, right? And right. it's so hard, though, to grasp until we really grow right. in, our, in our walk. And even I'm not there yet. I know I'm not. There's probably some situation I'll face in days ahead that right. will shake me, no doubt. Right. But I, I hope that I'll cling to that. Like, well, it, and, even, and, and even in daily bread, though, it's interesting. Jesus said, give us our daily bread. Give me what I need today. And Jesus in the same Sermon on the Mount would say, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Mm-hmm. You take care of today. You trust God today. So we ask God every day. Um, and I think one of the problems, one of the temptations that any society throughout history that has been wealthy and prosperous, and we fit in that category, is that we sometimes don't think that we need to pray for that every day. Um, but we, we need to realize that life is really fragile. <laughs> you know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't mean, you know, I don't Have know. Have we not seen that where right. we're living now? I mean, right. one day there was toilet paper, the next day there was no toilet paper. <laughs> All because of a, a bug that people are catching. Right. Or yeah, now they're right. saying, you're not going to have meat for a while. Right. Like, what? Right. All because of sure. this. Like, this is crazy, sure. and it's out of our control. It's right. out of this. And so right. I, I agree with what you're saying. For us to think that we are exempt, for us to start thinking... Well, that we start to have security then in our riches, right? Yeah. We start to have security in our our freezer. We start right. to have security in these things. Right. Like I'm okay. I don't have right. to ask. It's like Jesus says, "Don't seek after these things." The Gentiles are seeking all these things. Right? You trust the mm-hmm. you seek the Father's kingdom. You trust your Father. And Jesus, I think I remember preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. This is one of the things that really hit me going through that 
was how much Jesus is trying to hammer home to his disciples that as being a disciple of Jesus is being a child of the Father. How mm-hmm. often he says, you be perfect as your heavenly Father is mm-hmm. perfect. Whenever you pray, go into secret where your Father can see you. When you give, make sure just your Father knows. So I'm trying then to be like Christ then. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in Christ now, I'm trying to be like him. Mm-hmm. And I think prayer is, to, is that mechanism yeah. uh, by which God is, is making us like... And the, I think, like I think what we're talking about here is going to flow very well into what we're going to talk about, about public prayer. Right. Because when we, so often we walk into church services very cavalier, like this is just a normal thing, this is what we do on Sundays, and we sit down and we know there's going to be music, we know there's going to be some prayer, there's going to be preaching, we know these things, and it just kind of becomes a a routine type of thing. And this is why prayer becomes very important to our services, because it should orient us. Mm. And that's why I like to have prayer at the beginning of service. And it needs to end in in Christ's name or in Jesus' name, because that's what we are here for. Right. What we are about to do, what we are about to sing, every everything, every word that's uttered, every every heart in this room right. should be doing it according to Christ's name. And that's why yeah. public prayer becomes very important right. in our services. Right. What is public prayer? So we've talked about prayer in general. Let's focus more now specifically on public prayer. What is that? I th- I think we're meaning church service. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't think we're talking about going out on the street corner and just praying out loud, right. you know, or things like that. Um not pu- not prayer in the general public, but in the public gathering of the church. Yeah. Right. I think that's what we mean. Right. Now, I would include maybe you want uh our Wednesday prayer service. Because it is a calling to all the church to gather right. there. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope we get to the point to where all the church can, you know, mm-hmm. where we're not having all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I know not a lot of people attend it, and so it's not the same as when four to 500 people are here on Sunday right. morning. But I wish it was because that is a calling, like, to right. come together to pray. So right. me personally would, in, would include that yeah. as well. Yeah. When the per, yeah, when the church is, we're talking about when the church is gathered together. Yeah, um, um, we're like, I know we're going to get to this later, but we're distinguishing it from prayer that you would do by yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're even distinguishing it from prayer that you would do in your own household with your family. Mm-hmm. Um, this is prayer specifically when you're gathered with the church that you are a member of. So, when when we pray in public, um, we talk about family prayer. Because um, th- we believe God wants us to keep pr- prayer and alive in our homes um, personally. But then when we come together corporately, one of the things that happens, um, this is different in the prayer meeting whenever we get together as church. But when we get together as, on Sunday morning and Sunday evening, all four, four or 500 of us can't pray together. You know, we can't just, um, and what I mean by that, all of us can't be speaking audibly at the same time. Oh, you can. Okay. I've seen it happen. <laughs> They can't leave. Right. They can't be on stage right. with the mic leading. Not, not in. Okay, not in this church. At least we don't do that. Okay, not audibly. But I mean, there's a reason why we don't. Do right. That. Why, why do we not do that? Because it's almost kind of chaotic to the point where. Okay. Can you even 
really focus on what you're saying when you're no. listening to 10 right. people, at so, least 10 people so, around So we're you. trying to follow the principle of 1 Corinthians 14, that we need to do this in good order, uh, yeah, exactly. in a tongue that's known. <laughs> yes, I can't right? imagine. Understandable. Yeah. And understandable. It's got to be edifying for everybody. Yeah. Sure. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, just, I know, we're, like, I did that to just completely throw us <laughs> off, obviously, but, you know, you think you're about good it. good at that, Scott. I am. <laughs> I, I excel. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, part of praying together as a corporate body is to unite us. Right. You know, so, I mean, just imagine if what we did on Sunday mornings hmm. was say, okay, hey, guys, we're going to take the next five minutes. You know what? You just pray about whatever you want to pray about right now, hmm. which sometimes, you know, it's good for people to think about what's currently burdening them. But that's not how we do prayer because we're not coming together to stay individuals. That's a good point. <laughs> We're yeah. coming together to be together. And right. so part of how, one of the best ways that we are together is that we are as one body mm. praying one prayer to God. That's beautiful. In that sense. Great point, because, yeah, we're not 400 individuals praying 400 individual prayers. Yeah. We're the children of the living God coming yeah. together as a group to see our Father. Mm-hmm. Through his son. And there is a point in the service when we ask them to pray individually. Yeah. Because um, we usually, we'll, we might get to this in the next episode, but there is a point. Usually we share some prayer requests and we yeah. say, please, at this time I'm going to pray, but I want you to pray too because this is when we are going to intercede for people. And right. I don't know everything that's going on in everybody's mm-hmm. life. And we even, I say this often from the pulpit, like as 400 of us pray, God understands it, mm-hmm. right? So right. don't don't yeah. worry about that. Yeah. He, he understands us as we pray. So let's... It's still a way of uniting in my mind of saying we're going to unite together now as this church family to lift up the needs yeah. around us. And so there is a there is a place there is a place for that still. I don't want people to mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's also but also one of the things though I think that on the other side of that is I think sometimes whenever they hear whoever's praying on stage, they think well he's praying. And so then but mm-hmm. I think what what corporate prayer at least it, one sense can happen is even though I'm not speaking, it's not really just him praying. I'm joining too, yeah. in the prayer, right? right. Silently, right. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm I'm saying amen yeah. in my mind. Yeah, you're affirming. With, I'm what affirming he's what yep. he's saying. Yep. So we're all going yep. together, mm-hmm. and but we can also do it. Individually. And I would say that for sure. And like the right. first prayer that we do in our service, and even the end when I close in prayer, usually responding to God's word. I would say that was a time when I am trying to pray, or if Pastor Matt leads at the beginning, we are praying, you know, for all of like, yeah, we are on bringing that of, together yeah. on behalf of everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I would you know, I know that like a lot of, I've met a lot of people that when they're listening to other people pray, they will kind of give some kind of like audible cue or mm-hmm. statement. Like they'll say, yes, Lord, or they'll just kind of join in in that sense. And yeah. talking to them, you know, I know that what at least people I've talked to have done that not out of a sense of uh, habit or anything like that, but that is how they, uh, number one, stay focused mm-hmm. on what's praying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in their sense, like they are trying to participate in that same prayer. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. So, so I've, I've got here, as we think about prayer as a means of grace, we go down here. Prayer is not simply something, it is a response to God's word, but it's also one of the ways that God has told us that he's going to strengthen our spiritual lives. He strengthens us. 
how, okay, so we do that privately and private prayer. I like this quote, J.C. Ryle, right? My, my son is named after the bishop here, but um, he's got a great quote here. Um, prayer is the most important subject in practical religion. All other subjects are second to it. Reading the Bible, keeping the Sabbath, hearing sermons, attending public worship, going to the Lord's table, all these are very weighty matters, but none of them are so important as private prayer. Now, those are pretty weighty remarks about Mm -hmm. private personal prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, Your son said that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's brilliant. He is a pretty smart (laughs) one. So... uh, well, he says practical religion in this. And so like a practical thing to do, mm-hmm. right? Right. And again, going back to the early church, the only practical thing they knew to do was to, to pray. pray. Like right. we, this is the most practical thing for us to do right now. We don't know what else to do. Peter's in jail. We can't go bust him out. What, what can we do? Well, we could pray and, mm. you know, who even knows what they were praying for? Like, God, right. yeah, we would love to be released or whatever and... It worked. I mean, he got right. he yeah. got released, and so yeah, I would say, I mean, for for over a thousand years, the average Christian didn't have the Bible in their hands. Right. right, they didn't have a Bible to read. They didn't they didn't have this. So what did they have? They had prayer. Right. They still had prayer where they could go in their home mm-hmm. and, and pray, and it's the same for us still. So private prayer is a blessing. How does God use public prayer? First of all, I guess, well, first of all, does he use it to bless his people and to strengthen us and give us grace? Does he use public prayer that way in church? Because I think sometimes we think about private prayer doing that. Yeah, I mean... But does public prayer do that for yeah, us as well? Yeah, some of the way I've learned to pray is hearing people pray. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of people in this church who are, who are dead and gone now, but hearing them go to the pulpit to pray, the pastor asked them to go pray, and there were some of them that was just like, man, they... They're good at this. Like they are mm. good at praying. Um, some people, it seems, was just words. Some people, it seemed really real in their yeah. life and in their heart. Like they were calling out to God and crying out to mm. God at times. And and how I would try to, you know, sometimes you just try to replicate it, yeah. and you realize I can't, I can't do that. I'm right. not him. Right. Um, but you, but you learn, you learn some things from it, and mm. I think that's a real big benefit. Um, of of public prayer, especially as a young Christian, right? And in my immaturity, the way I'm praying, mm. then to hear somebody maybe who's been a Christian for a long time and really grown in their faith mm. to hear them pray and to see the difference, it's just like, yeah, man, I I need to get I need to be like that. That's where I want to be. I'm going to bring another quote up here from a guy who was part of the founding faculty of the Southern ba- the Southern Baptist <laughs> Theological <laughs> yeah, Seminary. Yeah. <laughs> get an amen from Scott over here, but yep. uh, um, John Broadus. In talking about public prayer, he said this, the prayers form the most important part of public worship. He continues, he who leads a great congregation in prayer, who undertakes to express what they feel or ought to feel before God, to give utterance to their adoration, confession, supplication, assumes a very heavy responsibility. We all readily agree and sometimes partially realize that it is a solemn thing to speak to the people God, and he's talking about preaching there, I think. Mm-hmm. Is it less so when we speak to God for the people? Mm-hmm. So whenever we, as part of our worship service, how important is prayer in our public worship as a church? Does it assume the place it should, and, and how important should it be? I think 
the prayers that you that your church prays, whoever it is that's leading that mm-hmm. service, I think you can probably more than any other part of your service, maybe that might be the point in the service that you can look at and see what the the congregation's heart is, mm. what they're after, maybe what their right. desires are in that, right? Because that is that's what you're choosing to say to God mm. and address God with, and so it's it's very important. Well, it's a very important place. One thing uh, as we come we're coming wrapping this up, one of the things I we we watched a video by Lig Duncan where he talked about an illustration about the, a, a young lady who uh, attended the church service and Lig was I think preaching probably that day and Derek Thomas another guy was uh, pr- was doing the the prayer they call the pastoral prayer in that tradition which is a longer prayer and this lady came up afterwards and said what did that other guy do during the service and Lig was like I was trying to think about what he did and all this stuff. And she was so impressed by the prayer. She had never heard that before. And she grew up in a tradition in a pastor's home, and she had never heard that before. It was amazing to her to hear public prayer done in such a, an extended but maybe more solemn and serious way. Um, and so that really hit her. And I think um, one of the things that we, we maybe overlook, we talked about before how sometimes in our church services, in churches in general across the U.S., prayer can almost just be kind of like the transition. It's kind of like the grease yeah, right. to line yeah. the different things. Yeah. But that's not what it's for. Mm-mm. It's to bring all of us to the throne room of God. Um, so it's, it's, it's intended to change us as the people of God. It's intended to bring us into God's throne room, and it's intended to be the place where we together as God's people um, worship him together in spirit and truth. And the wonderful thing is like we read in Revelation that our prayers don't simply stay on earth. They go to heaven and they're offered as incense uh, before the throne of grace. Okay, thank you so much, brothers. Um, let's wrap up there. Uh, next week, we will look at another episode on prayer, but this one's gonna be more practical, thinking about how to pray. One last thing I wanna mention, however, is that coming up here, we want to do... Um, a Q&A episode. And so what we want to do is if uh, you have a question that maybe it's about a topic we've talked about, maybe it's not related to that, um, would you please uh, consider sending us a question about that? You can email me. Um, I'm trying to remember my church email. Is it S Snow at mmbconline.org? S Snow. If he'd use S Snow. Hey, I use it. I have the app on my phone. If you actually send a question, he probably won't get it for a few weeks. He won't read it. I know, man. You can ignore. You are going to be held accountable. You can ignore all the other guys around me right now. Can I answer one question? Okay. The table is round. Yeah, it really I've is got round. that numerous. Oh yeah, it is round. Yeah, okay, <laughs> it's the table round. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> so you can email me ssnow at mmbconline.org. Um, shoot us a question, and we would love to sit around and have a, a Q and A um, episode in the future. Um, contact us, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. We hope it's been a blessing to you, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Bye bye.